Hello and welcome back to Gentle Man, redefining manhood in the 21st century. My name is Arjuna. I'm your host. Today, I am thinking about manhood. What does manhood mean? When I say that I am a man, what does that mean? It's good to define terms. This came up for me recently. I was talking with my partner about starting this podcast and she asked me, like, okay, so you're a man, so what does that mean to you? What does it mean to you to be a man, you know, since it's an important part of your identity and clearly you're wanting to talk about it? So what does that mean? I stopped to think about it. The more I thought about it, the more difficult it became for me to even sum up my thoughts about what does the male identity hold for me? When I say that I'm a man, what does that mean to me? And what I ended up likening it to was, it's like the country that I come from, country I was born into. So let me unpack that a little bit. So I was born in England. I'm English. If you tell someone, oh, I'm English, like that, they're going to have all kinds of preconceived notions about what that means. Like, oh, maybe you're polite, or maybe you like tea, or maybe you have a greater tolerance for rain, or something like that. There are all these hackneyed ideas that people might have about the experience. But if you were to ask someone, like, what does it mean to be born in the culture you were born in? It's kind of, it's a long answer, right? There's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. So when I think about my parent culture being English, what does that mean to me? Well, there are certain interactions with the culture that I have become accustomed to. There are certain ways that I hold myself because I was raised in the English culture. There are certain preferences I have that have been informed by that. Certain worldviews, certain ways of being that were taught to me. And there's a whole lot of murky stuff. There's a whole lot of unconscious stuff, just mannerisms, the way that I hold my body, the rise and fall of my voice, various little, little aspects of culture which stand out to me because I'm English. Certain sensitivities to class culture, certain attitudes around taking up space or, or not taking up space. Simple things like noticing how loudly people speak. I've discovered that Americans tend to be louder than English people. The English people value taking up less space when it comes to sound. And of course, these are just generalizations, but things I've noticed on a meta level in the culture. Any of this, I mean, you could really pick any of this and drill into it. And when you do, you realize, well, there are just so many stereotypes here and there are so many preconceptions and that can be a pretty wide delta between the hackneyed opinion that someone has of you because you come from a culture and the actual experience of it. And invariably, people's experiences tend to be more complicated and more faceted there are so many layers to them, and some of it's conscious and some of it's unconscious. Some of it can take decades to work through. You can take someone out of their culture, but I, I believe that you can never fully take their culture out of them. A lot of the work we do of decolonizing is, is really about this, is about thinking deeply and noticing your actions and noticing your thoughts, even just noticing your nervous system responses to different things bringing awareness to them and bringing awareness to the ideas and the ideals which shaped them. This is how we start to understand and how we start to have any chance of changing our orientation, changing our behavior, changing our responses. It's reality shaping, it really is. 
it's a kind of existential surgery that people perform to shift those things. And so when I talk about manhood and my experience of manhood and what that means to me, I put it on that level. It's like a culture that I was born into. I don't mean to suggest that it's only a socialization thing. There's some amount of nature and nurture in it. I have a lot of, or maybe all of the stereotypical biological tells of being a man. You know, I have the genitalia, I manufacture the testosterone, I have the facial hair. So there's that stuff going on. I feel kind of ill-equipped to talk about biology and how it relates to sex and gender. I'm not super up on that. I don't presume that just because I have a penis and just because I have an ample amount of facial hair and a deeper voice and stuff that that automatically qualifies me as a man. I think those arguments are kind of fruitless. Biology and science so often gets twisted to support various agendas around this stuff. But there is an experience that comes with that, and I'm not going to say that it doesn't mean anything for me. I mean, it does. It really, it does. It's all parts of the picture. I'm more interested in talking about the enculturation of manhood, and this is really, you know, we're getting into gender roles, we're getting into expectations, we're getting into the ways that behaviors are reinforced, encouraged, modeled, taught. And so a lot of my experience of manhood is really around socialization. It's interesting because I think some of my first experiences of thinking about manhood were actually in the context of feeling misunderstood or feeling stereotyped around my manhood or feeling an expectation around my behavior as a result of people perceiving me as being a man. So it's interesting for me to think about how a lot of what spurred this conversation inside me was the realization that I wasn't behaving like many people expected me to behave as a result of being a man. When I think about like what a man is or should be, I don't really come up with a lot of the images that I think some other people do come up with. I remember being in my early 20s and interacting with straight women and realizing that some of them were expecting me to treat them in certain ways and realizing that I, I wasn't doing that or that I wasn't socialized to do that or that I didn't know how to do that. Maybe there were just these particular kind of um, ways of being assertive or ways of putting myself out there maybe. There's this kind of uh, jokey, provoking, maybe kind of gently teasing, gently asserting dominance. These ways which um, straight flirtation is modeled to men and expectations build up around that. And I, I realized that I wasn't really doing that. I wasn't conducting myself in that way. And that some people were actually expecting that of me and, and that it maybe felt a little weird or awkward to them that I wasn't doing that. Or in another example, in many of my relationships that I've been in with women, because I'm, I'm straight-ish and I tend to end up in relationships with women, I've gotten some of these cues, these sometimes very conscious verbal cues and sometimes these unconscious cues that have essentially boiled down to expectations around what I should be like, my behavior, my conduct, my productivity perhaps, as a result of my being a man, which have been really surprising to me. I've been in more than one relationship when I've had my female partners 
tell me these are ways that men should act and you're not doing that and and so you're falling short i had someone in a relationship tell me that men were supposed to hold space and provide a certain kind of stability for women's unstable emotions which just seemed ludicrous to me uh, there's just no part of that that felt like it had any truth to it it seemed demeaning to everybody involved I have been told that men need to be decision makers or the whole earning thing, right? Men are expected to bring home the bacon, put the bread on the table, and if they can't do that, then they're really failing in their responsibilities as being men. I've had that level at me too. I've, I've had partners lose respect for me during times when I was faltering, maybe professionally or emotionally, just not having that kind of like, it's all handled, babe, kind of an approach going on in my life. I'm only talking about one very small facet here, just this certain straight, cis, hetero interaction. But it's just an example of where I've come up against some of these stereotypical male expectations and found myself thinking, that just feels weird to me. I don't really know why those things would be tied to my manhood. I don't know why anyone would draw a conclusion that my manhood or my legitimacy as a man would be contingent upon my ability to show up in certain ways or exhibit certain behaviors. So my starting to question this really arose as a result of starting to notice interactions in which other people were expecting me to be a man through certain behaviors or cues and realizing that I wasn't doing those things. If you've been enjoying the Gentleman Podcast, I'd like to ask you for your help. Growing a community and an online presence takes a lot of participation from listeners such as yourself to really help things take off. If you value this show and it has been meaningful in your life, help me out by doing one of the following. Leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Recommending it via word of mouth to your friends and family is another massive way that you can help this podcast grow. Following on social media and liking the content, Gentleman Podcast is our Instagram handle. You can also find us on YouTube at Gentleman Podcast, three words. I really appreciate your help and your support. It's one of the things that will help me to keep making this content and to keep making it better as well. Thank you. I will say it hasn't pushed me in the direction of questioning whether I'm a man. I, I have always felt solid in my identity of being a man. But what it made me realize was that my definition of manhood wasn't contingent upon stuff like that. There was a broader landscape under which that was existing and that I wasn't using metrics like that to define it. And I still don't. Defining what manhood is in a unilateral way, like anybody who exhibits these traits is therefore a man, I think is just ludicrous. I think it's a pointless exercise, and I think it's an exercise which continues to create suffering and perpetuate suffering in the world. Any effort to define manhood in a, in a sweeping way, in a way that would apply to any man except the man that you are, is damaging. It is up to anyone who calls themselves a man, who feels like, yes, I am a man, who takes on that identity. It's up to them, to each man, to feel out what that means to them. 
ask a group of men what manhood means to them, and I'm sure they'd come up with some things. I'm sure they would, but their lists wouldn't be exhaustive by any means. And they would all, when thinking about it enough, encounter a depth to the question, just like trying to define what does it mean to be American. For any Americans listening to this, it's, you know, that's a deep question. What does it mean to be American? And how does that relate to the way the rest of the world feels about Americans? How does it vary state to state? How does it vary depending on which parts of the political spectrum you live in? How does it vary based on your personal opinions about nations and the concept of, of owning land? Yeah, everyone's experience of these things are different. And I think have, making an assumption that you could generalize about Americans just based on some random things you've observed about them is, is ludicrous. And so my experience of manhood feels every bit as broad as that. I was having a conversation the other day with a friend of mine about how I think I've been mislabeled in my life sometimes as being queer. For the record, I, I do think of myself as being some amount of queer, but I've felt some discomfort around that, and it hasn't been because I feel uncomfortable with the concept of queerness. It has more been because there are certain things that I do which I think people ascribe the queer label to, which it almost seems like a cop-out, or it almost seems like just a blanket term for anything which falls outside of the normal expected behavior for, for my identity. So to give you an example, I have a desire to wear dresses, and I wear dresses. I have dresses in my wardrobe, and I pull them out periodically. It's something that I'm still getting comfortable doing because obviously people jump to all of these weird conclusions about it as soon, you know, a man in a dress. What does this mean? It's interesting to me how much it stirs up when my experience of it is really this simple. All right, you ready? This is how it goes. I sometimes want to wear dresses. The end. Like, that's it. That's it for me. It's not because I want to look like a woman. It's not because I feel queer. It's not because I have a problem with being a man. It's not because I don't like male clothing. I wear male clothing all the time. It's none of those things. I'm just a man who likes to wear dresses. I've never thought that that makes me a cross-dresser or like a drag queen. Doesn't mean that I'm gay. It doesn't even necessarily mean that I'm a more feminine man. I mean, I've been described that way. Plenty of people have thought of me as being a more feminine man. Maybe that's true. But my definition of manhood can include wearing dresses and wearing what is typically referred to as women's clothing. It never once occurred to me that, of course, mentally I think about it, but really on a, on a feeling level and on just a very basic level, it has never occurred to me that the desire to wear a dress would change anything about my manhood or would implicate anything about my manhood or would mean anything about gender for me. And I, I'm just talking about me here, just to be clear. I think there are plenty of people who choose to wear dresses or other clothing that's typically associated with women because they feel like that is part of a queer identity or because they are a woman, their gender is, is woman. That's a way in which they choose to express that. And that's, that's great. That's powerful. And I respect that. And I, I totally see how that can be for some people. It's not for me. That's not why I do it. 
So I start to encounter the difficulty, my difficulty with these terms, because I think identities are beautiful and they're important. I think everyone has them. And if the conversation isn't wide enough to accept the fact that these things have very personal meanings for every person who does it, then I th there's a problem there. Queer isn't some monolithic identity. If someone says, hey, I'm queer, you can't just you're not going to know, right? You're not going to know what that means necessarily. There are some shorthands. There are some assumptions. If you're familiar with queer culture in general, then you can derive some kind of information from that. But really, it's the kind of identity or designation that it, it begs a question. Queer in what way? What's your experience of it? And for me, I feel like gender is, is that way in general. If someone tells me I'm a man, that's great. I'm curious about that. In what ways? Or, or just, what does that mean to you? If being a man to you means having a beard, or wearing certain kinds of clothes, or treating people a certain way, or treating women a certain way, these are all things that have relevance for you. They're, they're unique. They're unique to each individual. So... Perhaps in all of this exploration, I haven't gotten any closer to helping you to understand what manhood means to me. But I feel like it's not really about that. It's not about that. The fact is that I feel like a man. I explore that on a daily basis. It means different things to me at different times. It's a way of my being perceived in the world. It's an experience inside my body. It's an exploration. It's a curiosity. There's no one thing I can point to where I say, well, if you have this or if you are this, then you are a man. There's not one thing that feels definitive to me. I think a man could have or not have any particular trait or expression and be a man. So for me, the question is more, what kind of man am I? So my explorations of manhood will be coming from that deeply subjective personal experience. I do intend to talk about issues which are generally considered to be men's issues. And certainly I have plenty of experience in my life of grappling with issues that feel very much like men's issues. And it's not that those issues never come up for other people, but they are issues that a lot of men run into and deal with, and there is a commonality there. So that will be the focus of this podcast. I hope my exploration of that and my explanation of that was helpful or in some way enlightening. Thank you for joining me again. I will catch you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.